Manchester said, you're going to stay, you will know that Tottenham are shit. Tottenham Hotspur are shit. Now if you come on down to Highbury, you can see Thierry Henry. He is the best player you will ever see. Thierry, Thierry Henry. Now if you come on down to Highbury. Hello and welcome to From Dial Square to Where. I'm going to just change these windows because I don't like it. Hang on a second. There we go. That's much better. Yeah, welcome back to Stan the Man. It's been a, a little while since you've been on the show. How are you, mate? I'm doing very well. Can't complain. It's uh, a bit rainy here on the, in the afternoon here in uh, downtown Vancouver. But uh, other than that, glad to be here. Right, it's fantastic to have you back. You're always the housewife's favourite, so <laughs> bound to get a few more views with you on the on the show, Stan. <laughs> <laughs> the groomer from Vancouver. Um, Ryan will be joining us soon, but we've also got Kunjan. How are you, mate? Great to see I'm you. I'm not again. happy. I'm not happy because you and Stan are smiling, and it's a crime against humanity to be an Arsenal fan and smile and be happy and celebrate. I'm not happy about this, Andrew. I'm not happy about this, Stan. Can we not be happy? Please. <laughs> Listen, um, you know, I've not even got to the football yet. I'm just happy to see Stan. Now we're not we're, allowed to be happy. Now we're going to talk about the football. Then we can just be solemn, you know, like we're supposed Fine. to be. Yeah. That's the way it's supposed to be. We are, okay. we are wrong for being happy. Exactly. exactly. Especially, yes. especially if Ruben Nevis is tuning in. We don't upset him. No, exactly. Or Ashley Young. Or Gabby Abbott Lahore. Exactly. Well, we're not meant to be happy. In fact, the only thing that makes me happy about football is watching uh, Ashley Young get bird shit in his mouth. And I really hope that that happens again very, very soon because uh, he still to this day, you know, denies that it happened, even though it's caught on video for there for all to see. I do remember that. He actually denies that it happened. Um, but long may uh, it continue. And but it explains what comes out of his mouth now, you see? It, it's always there, mate. They say, it's there. A, they say it's supposed to be a sign of luck. Not for the bloke whose mouth he drops in, though. But yeah. <laughs> I think it was luck for the bird. <laughs> <laughs> it found a real shithole to drop into. <laughs> yeah, but imagine being that bird. That bird... It, should really be famous. That that would be uh, amazing if it was ever tracked. Maybe down. the bird did celebrate after doing that. Yeah, maybe the bird was really lucky after that. Maybe the bird won the lottery and is now living in the Seychelles somewhere. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you. Nice, nice for watching. Um, sorry, I'll put my teeth in and actually put my words in the right uh, order. Thanks for watching, Steve. Great to see you in the chat as normal. Um, but we've got a bit of solemn talking to do about cup. Well, one victory. Um, it's been a couple of games, obviously, since we were last on. Um, I think we can briefly touch on the Liverpool game. You know, good some good things to come out of that. Obviously, not the not the result, but some fairly decent performances. We can sort of skim over that one. But obviously, mainly we can talk about the Villa game, which was a fantastic result in the end of the day. As well. So, Stan, we haven't spoken to you for a, a while. No. So, let's have a bit of a chat, really, about, generally speaking, you know, how positive things are at the moment with this young squad that we've got, with the manager, 
how great it is now that the fans in the stadium are just so vibrant, you know, celebrating. You're doing that disgusting thing, celebrating these performances, um, winding other fans up. But uh, generally speaking, I mean, it's, it's been going brilliantly. I mean, let's talk about briefly about the Liverpool game first. I mean, we all thought that maybe we didn't have too much chance going into that game, but we wanted a good performance. I think at the end of the day, we got one, didn't we? We did. Um, going into the game, because obviously we were playing three games in a week, my my worry, my only concern going into the game, and I said this on the Arsenal fan circle before the game, that if I'm looking at the points, I felt that there were more points on the table that would be available to us than they would be at Liverpool. And I was just worried that maybe going into the Villa game, although we might be able to field our strongest 11, would they be a bit leggy? You know, should mm. we have made some some changes in the Liverpool game? But going into that Liverpool game, I mean, when we got to the first half, I mean, I was like, we are in this. You know, when that halftime was so blue, I'm like, we're still, we are actually in this. We are still well, in this. That would have cut in, but don't you think, I mean, even at half time, if it was a boxing match, we'd been slightly ahead on points. I think we slightly shaded that first half. Rather than being in it, I thought, we're more than in it. I thought we were pretty much controlling the game. We limited them to hardly anything, didn't we? Yeah, but yeah, very much so. You know, to a man, everybody seemed to be doing their job. You know, and, and you look at a player like Martinelli, who's one of our forward-going players. He's not. He's not bothered about coming back and doing the dirty stuff as well and helping out when it needs to be a defensive shape. And that's a joy to see. That shows you that you're playing for each other. You're not just on your own, waiting to get the ball, and then you do your thing. If you lose the ball, you wait for it to come again. No, you get stuck back in again. You try it back, you help out the defence. So it's been a joy to watch. Um, Mikel Arteta, for me, has really impressed me. You know, I was always 50-50 on the appointment. He wasn't my first choice. But when he was announced, I wasn't like, oh, no, what are they doing? So it's been up to him to win me over. And, you know, he's been ticking the boxes as we've gone along. For me, there's only one box now that needs to be ticked. And that is Champions League qualification. Well, let me let me reel that back. European qualification. That's what I said at the beginning of the season. That the, the minimum requirement has to be the minimum of getting into the Europa League. Because it doesn't matter how much money is going to be available. And by all accounts, it sounds like there is going to be a fair size available to us. Mm. If we don't make the Champions League, then we can only buy lower tier players. The big boys all want to go there. So that's the last box. And... If we make it for me, he would have overachieved, and I'd be happy with that. If we get into the Europa League, then for me, he's reached the achievement, and I'll be happy with that. But if we don't get Europe at all, I'll be torn because I really like what I'm seeing with this team. I like the connection between the manager and the team. But in any walk of life, you have to have targets, right? You know, if you're working in sales, you know, your sales manager, no matter how much he likes you, he wants to see those figures. So if we don't make Europe, I'm, I'm torn on how I would feel about the situation moving forward, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'll come to you on this one, Kundra. It really annoys me when I see people on Twitter who say they don't want us to qualify for the Champions League because we're going to get thrashed by this team and that team and so on, and we're going to get battered and they don't want to see it. And I just think... The only thing you've got to say to these people is, 
and I've said this before on this show quite a few times probably, if Spurs can get to the final, why the hell can't we get to the final? You know, I'm not saying we would get to the final, but why couldn't we? You know, it it doesn't make any sense to me at all. It, we need this Champions League qualification so badly to raise the profile, like Stan just said, to get better players for our players as well, for their own benefit. Because if you can imagine just for one second how desperate we are for a Champions League qualification, don't you think that the players are also just as desperate for Champions League qualification as we are? to test themselves uh, against the very best. And obviously, with strengthening further in the summer as well, we're going to have an even better chance next season in the Champions League. I mean, surely that makes sense. I can't understand why anyone would think different. I think the problem is right now, and, and we've mentioned this a couple of times on the show, and that is that um, Stan said a very important point earlier about you know having three games in a week. But I do think we need to get used to with that um, in any sort of European setting, be it the Conference League or be it the Europa League or the Champions League. We need to get used to to playing three games or two games a week without breaking a sweat. And that's what we've been used to for, what, 20 plus years. We've been in a bit of a slump for the past few years. We need to get that profile up. What Mikel is bringing into the squad from day one, he has said, this is not where we are supposed to be. We are supposed to aim higher. Um, I think there was a report recently that came out that said, Vinay uh, on record said that we are already making progress faster than what they expected, which is great news. Um, I, I'll just track back to two seasons and, and circle it back to what you mentioned about the Champions League profile. We got in Gabriel and Thomas Partey with, with Europa League football. We made six signings last season, which included a £50 million Ben White signing with no European football. So Arsenal do have the pull. But when we start talking about hungry players, when we start talking about players who have ambition, who have goals, they're looking for the clubs where they fit in, they embed, grow with the team and aim higher. When we're talking about the Premier League, right now, there are two people dominating in the Premier League, Liverpool and Man City. Chelsea, especially what's happening right now, big question mark next season. I'm not saying they're out of it, but it's a big question mark. Let's not write off United. However shit they are, let's not write them off. They're sleeping giants. They can wake up with just one appointment and everything changes. We need to get to that level where we're every season competing. I'm not saying we're winning it, but we're competing. Getting us into the Champions League, building a profile, raising the bar for the players like Saka, Martinelli, um, Emil Smith-Rowe, um, Lukonga. We, we, we don't speak of Lukonga because, lucky for us, we have a party, we have a Xhaka. God forbid something happens to either of them this season. Can you confidently rely on Lukonga? I, 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 I don't. I love the guy. You can't rely on him. We've seen... Ben White, Benjamin White. We've seen Benjamin White and Gabriel struggle against the bigger teams, be the Liverpools, the Man Cities. Throw them the acid test, the Barcelonas, the Real Madrid, the Juventus, the Bayern Munichs. We cannot forget the humiliations of the five ones twice. We can't forget that. But this is what we need. We need to go out there, maybe get a thrashing, but that builds up your confidence. That builds up your experience. That builds up your hunger to go up against the best 
Because if you want to be the best, you have to fight against the best. So anyone who's saying, let's not get to the, to the Champions League because we're going to get thrashed, have absolutely no idea what they're speaking about. No, exactly. And let's not forget as well um, that every team has a cycle. Football is cyclical. You know, eventually Liverpool are going to... Uh, they're aging already. They're not quite. They're not quite over the hill yet. Obviously, clearly with all their results, but they're going to get there at some point. They're going to have to have a major change in their squad. Klopp's already said that uh, he's most likely to be leaving the season after next. Man City, uh, Pep's n- not going to be there forever. We know that. Maybe uh, sooner rather sooner than we think he's going to be moving on. We need to be ready to pounce. I mean, even in the Champions League, when you look at Bayern Munich, they're not going to have Lewandowski next season. So they're going to have to replace him. Maybe they take two or three players before they actually get the right player to replace him. So maybe they're not going to be quite as strong next season. We need to be ready to pounce. And I think we're at that stage where we're very, very close to being that team who could take over from Liverpool, who could take over from Man City in a couple of seasons' time. And... um, you know, people are actually using us now as the benchmark for what Man United need to be doing, what they should have done years ago. Actually, just get rid of the whole lot, start again, like we have. And we, we're a couple of seasons into that now. Like you said, Kunjan, we're ahead of schedule already. But we've done all that hard work. And with regards to having the three games, uh, I'll come to you now, Stan. I'm gonna, we can talk a bit more about the Villa game. But regarding that three games in a week situation, we, we, we knew that we were going to struggle a bit because we've trimmed down the squad to such an extent. We've only got a couple of, you know, really proper high profile, well, maybe three if you include the closer, which is what I've put on the, uh, on the title of this show, which we can come on to in a bit. The big Bobby Holding, big bad Bobby Holding is the closer. But maybe if you include him, we've got like three good quality substitutes to come on. Well, maybe we can backtrack on that that comment, good quality, uh, when we talk about the, the actual performances. But we've got a, a trimmed-down squad, which we've got to obviously uh, go to and sort out in the summer. But uh, anyway, sort of going off on a massive tangent, as you always do on this show there. But let's talk about the, the Villa performance, so we can talk about some individual performances in a bit more detail there. I mean, I thought... It was a very, very strong away performance, especially two and a half days after that game against Liverpool. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, we came we came that out of that Liverpool game, but you could see that their heads hadn't dropped. You could see that they took a lot from that yeah, game. They massively. they knew that they performed to their to their good abilities in that Liverpool game, that they didn't just go out there and stroll around. So they came bouncing back into this game. I just felt that this is it was a, a glaring um, example of what we're missing up front. Mm. You know? Because as much as we're getting a lot of goals from ESR and Saka, it's not something that we should be relying on. Mm. We still need somebody in the middle that can get you your bread and butter goals, you know? Mm. And we are severely missing that. So for me, the 10 games that we've, we've got left, each one for me is almost like a cup final. Yeah, you know, it's almost but like, we're not allowed to celebrate any of the, the no, winning those cup finals. No, 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 you can't do that. It's almost like the league's ended, and every game now is a cup final for us, and we're taking mm. it result by result. And everybody's going out there, and you can see that they're playing like they're in cup finals as well. Um, the Aston Villa game, I'm really glad that we were able to to to, to pull one over on them as well because they're a team that I've never really been bothered about Villa in my life. 
usually. They, they are mm. who they are. But after their shenanigans with the bids for ESR and also the Martinez stuff, I'm glad that we were able to, you know, put a little pin in that one, you know, because yeah, they, did definitely. My, they did get under my, under my skin a little bit. But what's the next game that we've got now? Who will be playing next now? Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace. Yeah, again, we're just going to have to take that one as it as it comes. But I'm really happy with what I'm seeing. Okay, we're only winning, we're grinding out these results, but very, very happy. Yeah, I mean, the performance in the first half, I thought, was so impressive. After that Liverpool game, two and a half days, um, it was an away game. I mean, everyone knows, that watches this show, knows how I feel about Villa, living where I do, and I was so delighted for my lads that they got the bragging rights at school again for another season. And let's not face, let's face facts, we've got, the double over Villa this season, which is what not an easy thing to do. We've got the double over Wolves, not an easy yeah. thing to do by any stretch of the imagination. We've got a double over Leicester, not not an easy thing to do by any stretch of the imagination. No matter where they are in the league this season, they're still a tough team. So I, it was just a really good professional performance. I mean, you could see that we started to really tire second half, but that backs to the wall. Defensive performance in the last half hour, Kunjan, it's got to be something that you've got to be so proud of as a as a team. Sometimes to me, a game like that where you really do ride it out uh, in the last half hour is just as satisfying as like a four or five nil win. I really enjoy them sometimes. And the character that they showed holding on to that lead, and let's not face it, they had one shot on target the whole game, Villa. And that was that last one, that last minute, the last kick of the game. It's really impressive, wasn't it? Uh, you know, so I'll, I'll backtrack a bit on, on what you're just saying. Of course, it's impressive. But when we speak of the whole celebration thing, it's blown out of proportion. And I'm not being defensive because I watched the entire game up until the end, especially the celebrations. Most of the celebration was for one man, Leno, and mm. for right reason. Ramsdale ran to him to celebrate with him. People are not getting the point. This man has been, not frozen out, but has been left on the bench because there is someone better. It's bound to take a hit on your confidence. You're being the Arsenal number one. You're wearing the number one jersey. You've represented one of the best teams in the world on a national stage. You know, like there's a lot, there's a high, you're a high profile player. And now you've been left on the bench by a keeper who's been relegated twice it's bound to hit your confidence. And as an Arsenal fan against Villa, the minute I read Ramsdale out, my exact reaction was, oh, shit. And if I was feeling that as a fan, imagine what the players must be feeling. Sure, they have the confidence, but it's no Aaron Ramsdale. For them to see this man come back into the squad, grab a clean sheet, make that last-ditch save, which maybe would have gone in or maybe wouldn't have gone in. And we have the full-time whistle. We get the three points, come this much closer to a Champions League place is a reason to celebrate. So you could demean it by saying we were celebrating like we won the league or we won the Champions League. That's fine. What we've done, even against Liverpool, we forget, like, sure, the second half wasn't the best. The first clear-cut chance in the second half against Liverpool fell to us. If Odegaard had buried that first goal, I'm not saying the result would have changed, but it would have been a different game altogether. But mm. ifs, what's, maybes, put that aside. 
we played a very strong game against a very strong opposition. Two of the best teams in the league, and we gave them a fight at the Emirates. Yeah. At, at Villa, we were away to a team. <laughs> we, we, we were linked with Wendia, and we had a meltdown and we didn't fight. <laughs> I want to watch that game again to wonder where that little man was. I did not see him anywhere <laughs> on that pitch. I saw him nowhere on that pitch. When you look on paper at Martinez, you've got Matty Cash, you've got uh, Ings, you've got Bailey, you've got Buendia. Coutinho. I don't remember anyone except Matt, Matty Cash, C- I think, because he Coutinho. was. Coutinho. Yeah, don't forget Coutinho. Who? Yeah. Who? Exactly. I forgot he was playing. I, I thought he went back to Barcelona. Uh, we really like linked with him now. <laughs> we've been linked with everyone. I promise we'll be linked with Tony Adams at this rate. Um, but the point is that when we're watching that, and that's an, a very strong away performance at a very strong away ground, I, I don't see where the problem is. Forget celebration or not. It's, it's something to be very proud of the team. And to, to be beaten at Villa Park with a very strong squad by the youngest squad in the Premier League, it's a very proud moment to be an Arsenal fan. This is something that is a revolution. We should all have our heads held up high, celebrate and support the team till the end, until whatever the result is, because this is something to be very proud of. This, they, they, Basically, they're getting it completely skewed. And I can't, I can't remember who the, I heard this comment from. It's one of the podcasts. I listened to, and I think it might have been Tim Stillman, actually, on the Arsenal Vision podcast, but he said, <coughs> excuse me, they're getting it screw- skewed, all these people as well. They they think that we're celebrating because we beat them, you know, and they think it's all about them. It's not about them. It's not about beating Wolves. It's not about beating Villa. It's about us. It's about the team dynamic. It's about the way that we are getting these results, the way that we're playing and celebrating their own performances and celebrating it with the fans. And it, what, happened, what happened was with that last minute save against Villa, it just so happened to be because the, Tim Stillman actually um, spoke about it because he was there at Villa Park and said that the normally um, Villa would have attacked the Holt end um, in the second half, but they chose to swap round for some reason. So it just so happened to be that that save was right in front of our fans in the last second as well, which is why the players were right next to our fans and celebrated there at the final whistle. And these teams, and especially Villa, they, they're trying to invent some kind of rivalry between them and us. It's just, it doesn't exist. You know, they just want to be at the same level as us, which they're not. And... The fact that there's so many points behind just shows that in in the league, despite the fact that we've got the youngest team in the league. They're just nowhere near us, but they're trying to invent some kind of rivalry nowadays. But I just yeah, want to highlight it's, it's, something, Andrew. Sorry, if you don't mind. I want to highlight something about the celebration, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. Same weekend, same weekend, and this is and I'm not this is not banter, this is factual. On the same weekend, there was a certain player who scored and came off. His manager embraced him in a bear hug and may have even dislocated a couple of vertebrae. No one has <laughs> spoken about that. We celebrate for winning three points as a team. There's a problem. 
So mm. why is it okay if Tottenham do that, but it's a crime against humanity if Arsenal do that? I, I don't understand this. That no other team, as uh, from what I remember, no other team has has been criticised for celebrating a win this season or last season or as, for as long as I can remember. Um, none. Can you? I don't know if he, anyone can remember. I can't remember anything See, being criticised. What you just saying a moment ago about um, Aston Villa wanting to be our rivals? I'm of the opinion and the mentality. How I would talk to the players is. Is that we don't just have one rival in you know Tottenham Hotspur. We've got 30, we've we've got the rest. Every other team in the league are our rivals. We don't have any friends. If you want no. to celebrate, you celebrate. You know, sometimes, absolutely bang on. Some sometimes as well. You know, I don't know how about you, you. You know, especially when you're watching a game like that, and you know, and especially when it gets a little bit hairy in the last sort of like a uh, few minutes or so, and then the final whistle goes. Don't you feel a sense of relief as well? Mm. relief imagine imagine how you are on your sofa when you might shout out yes imagine what it might be like for players also wanting to let out relief because they know that they've just got one step closer to what their to what their goals and what their targets are but ryan made a really good point that before he's here now but what he put in the chat box um and it's something i've been saying and i think it's the biggest improvement that i've seen in arsenal since towards the end of the tenure of Arsene Wenger and right through the uh, Emery era, going up to a little bit of the uh, Mikel Arteta, our biggest problem was was that we would lose points at the places where we should be getting points. Absolutely, we'd be, we'd be losing we'd be losing stupid points against the Wolves, against Burnley, against Brighton, and then we'd have that a season where we'd have a quite a good showing against Man United, we'd have a good showing against Tottenham would have a good showing against Chelsea. But none of it would matter because we lost so many points against places or teams where we should be getting a lot more out of. And that seems to be rectified, you know, as you as as what Ryan pointed out, you know. Previously, we got three points out of 18 at places like that. This season, we've got 18 out of 18. Once we figure that out and once we understand that we can do that, that's when it's now time to start to tinker and say, right, we've got that bit sorted out. Now we need to look at the big teams and see what it is that we need to do to get the you know, more out of the games against the so-called bigger teams. Yeah. So that for me is the biggest improvement. It is. That's why I was so delighted with that win against Villa. I was just so overjoyed when the game finally sort of ended and the whistle went and we got that. Because it was just such a, a brilliant... It's a, going back to... Um, I think when was it? Season before last, when we beat Liverpool two one at home after they won the league. Yeah, I absolutely adored that win, even though we were so lucky in that game in lots of ways, and they were battering and battering and battering the door down, but they didn't quite break through. To, and we held on and got that two one win. I just loved that win because it was a back to the wall win and gritty and hard and determined. But it was it meant even more against the Villa. Uh, the other day because we've got this brand new team now and I desperately want this team to succeed. I desperately want the manager to succeed. They've got us all on side. We're all, I think I can speak for us all when I say we all love this team, all the players. And even at the moment, I'm even including players like, you know, Granite Xhaka at the moment because they're playing their part. We might not want him to stay long-term, but at the moment he's playing a really key part. And I think we're all gutted when he got that, and pissed off when when he got that booking for 
which he, which it wasn't a booking, you know, and we felt a bit sorry for him on that day. And that's how this team has changed around our whole perception of them because of their performances, because we're really buying into them. We're buying into the whole setup. Uh, and I was, that's why I was so happy for the team as a whole to have got that win. But we didn't even look, you know, too threatened, even though we were knackered. And I'll come to you now, Ryan, and I must say, welcome, by the way. I haven't said hello to you yet because of the, we were obviously talking, but welcome to the show. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks again. Thanks for the invite. I do apologise for being late again. That's all right, mate. That's all right. We're all used to it by now. We know that you're just going to drop in when you're ready, so don't worry about it. It's no problem at all. Just good to have you here. But I want to come to you on a, you know, a couple of different, well, there's there's a few things I actually want to, talk about this evening and uh, I'll probably forget a couple of them and I'll kick myself but one of them is really the the defensive performance I think and how great this defensive unit is even though it's a weakened one at the moment with Tommy Asu being out you know obviously Cedric yeah. has been doing amazing things on the pitch um, and imagine you know if he if Tommy Asu had been in this team as well you know <laughs> it'd just be even better in some ways yeah. but Overall, even and, and the reason I've named the show, we've got the closer. Like <laughs> with um, Holding coming on, he, even he's playing a part, and we, mm. you know, love him for that because he's not, he's lost his place. Similar to Leno, he's not, mm. you know, not moaning in the slightest. And all the players and all the the rest of the squad, you know, mobbed Leno at the end of the game for his um, performance. L- holding the same, if I'm getting backslapping Rob Holder for coming on, even though he only came on for a few minutes at the end of the game. But he's, again, he's, he's a team player. That's why I've always liked, I've, I've always sung his praises, haven't I? That's why I like him. I like his attitude and the way that he's coming in, you know, in the old school, you know, three, five, two thing, that's a gift going around now that when he came on the pitch, it's great. And I think that the fact that we are not looking threatened is just Brilliant at the moment. Everyone's going on and on and on lately about, and quite rightly so, about our, our forward players, our young front line, and mm. and the you know the way that Lacazette's been playing over over recent weeks, and, and so on and so forth. But th- let's just have a bit of a hats off moment to the central defenders as well, and, and the defence as a whole, because I just think they've been wonderful. Oh yeah, it's like you say, we're not exactly full strength. We're missing, we've got, we're not missing Tommy Asu in the sense of on the pitch. We're missing him because he's not in the squad itself. And that's the thing we haven't noticed because of how good Cedric's just slid in his last few games and just done a job. You wouldn't know, you wouldn't know any different. And it's good to have that backup because we were going into obviously was it the first Wolves game when he first came in? Mm. We was having our yeah. doubts. They, they could really target that area. But no, that's not been their case at all. And he, again, massive props to him. He's continued it as well. It's not like he's at one game and he's on a tap and dropped off. <clears throat> like the, there's consistency there with Cedric now. And like I say, when Rob Holding's come on, yeah, he's lost his place, but he's not complaining either. He's happy to do the squad job. But Nano's not complained this season when he's got dropped. He's not gone on, gone to media and done a Lukaku interview, things like, oh, I wish I wasn't here. I should have gone this, that, and the other. Just just happy to be here. There's a, and I keep saying it on my podcast. I said I think I said it last week, and then people will probably get bored of me saying it. But since Abamyang got given the drop from the Southampton game onwards, the camaraderie, the squad togetherness we've seen in abundance. What every game, no matter what, 
where, where it's compared, if you compare it to the game, to the Everton game going backwards to that point where Birmingham was in the squad, there's a huge difference in our, in our performances, even when, we're, even when we're winning games when Birmingham was in the squad. So there's clearly something there and more than what we're going to probably even find out in the documentary when it comes out in the summer. But the fact that the, we, no matter what's gone on, the players haven't let that get to them. In the second, in the second it all hit the fan, December, they all went, no, we're coming together and we've, we've grown as a team, as a, as a club, we've grown. And when most, out of the teams that are going for this, I keep saying it, out of the teams going for this Champions League spot, be it full, full, third, whatever, we're the most consistent. We've only mm. lost, we've lost two games, drawn one, one all the rest. And yeah, some of them aren't pretty, but we're getting over the line. We're finding ways to win games now. A massive flaw in our thing was, for even under that stage of Wenger's time, we, we always, we'd go up, we'd, we'd be a sticky period and we'd crack the bed, let a goal in, either draw or go on to lose. More, more, most times, out, nine, times out of ten, nine times out of ten, we'd lose. Now we're finding ways to win and we're now, <laughs> it's really, <laughs> it really shows mentalities of certain people on this platform, not on this platform in terms of Arsenal, YouTube and their agenda, so we say. They've always said with our, te- you know what, it's Champions League or nothing. If we don't get Champions League this season, he has to go. Now there's a possibility with ten games to go for us that we can ha- actually have this Champions League. Uh, uh, they're changing the goalposts. It's like, uh, you know what, if we're in it, we're, we're, we're going to get battered. So I don't want to be in it. So it's, we can't fucking win with some people, but I'm one of them. Oh, people know, know that I've obviously come on this channel or my channel or others that have seen me, know I've had my doubts on our tech for a while now. But it's, it is slowly, he's slowly starting to turn me around. And you know what? I hold my hands up. And if, it, if it goes on the way it goes, I'll hold my hands up. I'm big enough and ugly enough to say I got it wrong. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm saying I've, I've, I've been staunchly behind him right from the start. And I've always, I've always said I've desperately wanted him to succeed. I've always, can we see something in him? But I, I hold my hands up. I've come on here, and I've always, I've had several moments where I was cracking, you know, and I was worried because quite, you know, I think we all had every right to be quite worried through certain periods of his mm. tenure, and we all had doubts creep in. But I've never stopped being desperate for him to succeed, and that's why it gives me such joy when you see these wins, like I mentioned earlier. Because I want, you know, for his sake and for the whole team's sake, I desperately want them to win. Because, I, you know, I love them all. You know, I love the I love the club. Always have loved the club, and I always will love the club, no matter who's in charge, and no matter who we've got playing. But this is extra special because there's such a lovely, likable bunch of lads that we've got on the pitch, and I think we can all get behind Arteta because he's a really likeable guy who's saying, he's always said the right things, just to be fair to him. And we can see finally the spring cleaning that he's had to do behind the scenes was a lot deeper than we think. We always have thought, really. But, I always um, I always said that, you know, because when I said when he came in, I was 50-50. I've never been Arteta in or Arteta out. I've always used a scale or percentages 
50-50 when he came in. I went up to about, I got up to about 90% I wanted him to leave at one point. 90% out and 10% please stay. Now I've, I'm the other way. I'm about 70%. I'm happy with him as the manager because mm. there's still a little, you know, there's still a little ways to go. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be just that little stick bit slightly holding us all back until he finally gets us over the line this season. Because we saw it before with Unai Emery. Remember when the worst collapse we've ever seen, I think, at the end of the season, when we only needed, what, one point out of 12 to get Champions League football and we didn't get it. We didn't get it. And, uh, yeah, that was such a low moment for all of us, I'm sure. So that could happen this season. Touch wood, it won't, clearly. But we seem to have a new resilience and a new strong underbelly because it's not soft anymore that underbelly we've got rid of that fat layer of fat and we've got the six pack back so um we, we don't seem to be easy pushovers anymore like we always have been for so many years um but yeah i want to come to you now Kunjan, on the sort of next sort of topic and it's it's, it's a recurring topic week after week after week and we've been giving this guy so many so much praise lately and I'm hoping, you know, I'm willing to put it down to fatigue this this week um, because of that three games in a week. And we, we, I think we could all quite rightly have doubts and worries that he could have got through those games. But I think Lacazette's performance at the week against Villa was a, probably one of his worst for quite a while. He made quite a few errors in my book um, at the weekend. And... Something I've been saying for a few weeks now is that when you get really good performances, um, coming on as a sub, for example, you should be rewarded for those great performances and great cameos for a place in the team. And I'm, like I said, we have to wait and see. But I'm at the stage, and I heard on another podcast Clive talking about this, and it's something I mentioned that it's getting to the stage where it's almost impossible to leave out Martinelli, Smithrow, the Fab Four, basically, Erdegaard and Saka now. Because of their performances, then they warrant it. So do you think it's getting to a stage where it's going to be almost impossible to leave those four out? And because... Sorry, I'm going to... I'll come on. I'm trying to explain myself and I'll come to you in a sec. But when you, when you get to the stage of having to prove yourself and you've got people to battle against. Like Martinelli's battling Saka for this position at the moment on the left side of our attack. People people are quite rightly saying, well, it's the competition that they've got pushing each other on to higher levels all the time. It's good for the team, right? So they're constantly pushing each other and that's why they're performing so well. And if you take that away by putting them both in a the team, then you might lose that a little bit. But, but I'm saying, on the other side of it, who's pushing Lacazette? Is Lacazette under threat for his position? We haven't got anyone pushing him for his position. So he's, at the moment, getting chosen week after week after week because we've got no one pushing him for that role. But is it getting to that stage whereby either Martinelli or, or Smith-Rowe should be quite rightly because of their performances, pushing Lacazette for his role in the team. And should Lacazette be thinking, you know, being a bit worried at the moment? 
nine games left of the season. Um, I think you mentioned a couple of weeks back when we were discussing about moving to a back three or should we move Ben White? I think this was after Tommy Asu got suspended or he was injured and we were thinking of bringing Ben White to the right and putting Rob Holding and, and Gabriel in the center. And it was you who made a very strong point by saying, don't disturb the balance. Leave the back four the way it is because it's working. Do not go pushing Ben White to the right where there's a new dynamic. And even when Cedric came in to replace Tommy Ash, it was not an instant hit. The gelling started, they started working together, and then they got into the group. At this stage, considering how weak our attack... When I say attack, I don't mean the forward line. The forward line is, is fat. Um, but Lacazette, as your quintessential number nine, he's not playing the orthodox number nine role. He is dropping in deep. He is playing, I hate to use this term, but the false nine position. And he's working really hard. So, so, so hard. So hard. <laughs> yeah. He, <laughs> I, 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 he's, he's doing... The, there is a certain synergy. There is a certain camaraderie. There is a certain leadership quality. And, and, and we've discussed this every week as well. There is a very strong... if. When when Jaka, I think Stein mentioned this, and, and so did you about Jaka's yellow card, whether or not he deserved it or not, but the way Lacazette handled it was a was a very was was a, the most mature thing to do at that moment. I love Odegaard. We all love Odegaard, but he's a hothead. If Odegaard was given the captain's armband and that had happened, I think Odegaard would have would have poked the referee harder. So Lacazette did play a certain mature, calm, collective role to take Xhaka away and, and, and try and diffuse that. These are certain things that we are not witnessing and we're looking at a very poor performance at, at Villa. If it wasn't for the penalty against Leicester, he wouldn't even have broken his duck. We have to... It, it's the old saying, don't fix what's not broken. And... When I say that, I'm not saying Lacazette are, are, is our answer. Absolutely not. We, we do need a striker. We do need a new forward come the summer. But right now, what's happening? Let's get it together. Let's work a little harder and take it across the line. Because the question is, if Lacazette tomorrow, hypothetically, the way we lost Ramsdale, the way we've lost uh, Tommy Asu, the way we even lost Martinelli, and... Emil Smith-Rowe played a good game, but you could see the robustness of Martinelli missing when we played Villa. If Martinelli was playing on the left, I think Matty Cash would be Matty Broke. <laughs> um, and we, and we, need, we need to understand this dynamic. We need to understand that we do have a good forward line, the, the Fab Four, the Fantastic Four. And right now, once Lacazette leaves is when you can start putting that other piece of the puzzle. But for the next nine games, if, if you ask me, stick to what's happening. Mm. Stan, totally, you know, you've got to obviously take everything that Kunjan just said and it's total sense. But one thing I'm going to add onto the question for you as well, mm -hmm. on top of that is, when you are going into these games and you're spending the last 20 or 30 minutes obviously defending that 1-0 lead. Yeah. If we'd have been 
more clinical in certain situations, then we wouldn't be doing that. That goal at the that, sorry, that free kick at the end may have just been a consolation goal for Villa, and it wouldn't have been so stressful because we'd be two or three nil up, quite rightly. And he's in, obviously in this, this team to be that link-up player at the moment. I think he's forgotten the fact that he's also, you know, should be entitled to score the odd goal here and there as well. But um, he didn't quite do that properly either on uh, the weekend. You know, missing that free ball to to Erdegaard, for example, when he when he took that shot instead and a couple of other moments at the time as well where he couldn't quite get it out from under his feet. Now, I don't know whether that is because of fatigue because of that week he just had or whether it is just a deficiency in his game at the moment. But what I mean is we do still need him to chip in for goals to stop these games being so tight affairs. So taking everything into account, what Kunjan just said, and what we said, what I said before. I mean, what is your thoughts on this situation? Do you think that ESR and Martinelli are playing too well to leave them out now, or do you think I get what you're saying? Changing is not changing is not an option at the moment. I get what you're saying because you're saying, well, if those two are playing so well, don't they deserve to be rotated into the team? Whereas you feel that Lacazette's not uh, providing as much and should be taken out and maybe put Martinelli through the middle, which allows ESA to come in. That was a lot more concise way of saying it than I actually did. So, yes, you're right. (laughs) I get what you're saying. And I think ordinarily that would would be a viable option. But we're not in an ordinary situation at the moment. And there's a number of factors. One, if you look at our bench, right, we've only got a couple of attacking factors, which is Pepe and um, Eddie. And as you know, they can both blow a little bit hot and cold. The other one is ESR. And I think that having Pepe and ESR on the bench at least gives us a bit of variety, which is something that we're lacking because after them two, it's Eddie. After that, we've got, we go to our plan B. A lot of fans, by the way, say Arteta doesn't have a plan B. He does. He takes off somebody and brings in holding. Mm, and changes the closer. Yeah, he does that. So we do have a plan B, but we don't really have much in attacking variety. So a lot of people are saying, oh, we should be starting Pepe. I actually like the chaos that he brings from the bench. Mm. You know, I'm not so sure whether we, if we start him, whether we would get that, what we would need. You know, tired legs, you're bringing on Nicolas Pepe on the 70th minute, he can cause a bit of chaos. ESR, the same. Ordinarily, though, I get what you'd be. I get. I'd, I'd be behind you. Yeah, we. You know, they deserve to be in the team. But we're so shorn at the minute, <clears> and we don't have much variety on the bench. I'm glad that ESR and Pepe are at least being able to chip in with something, you know, and help change <clears> the <throat> game a little bit if needed. If we if we're lacking in that area, but so yeah. I'm with Kunyan. Man, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But I mean, you have to look at the style. It's it's a big glaring hole, right? There was one game where we were constantly using Saka as the target man. Mm. Uh, two games back, and he'd pick up the ball, and when he takes it past his man, Lacazette hasn't got into the box in time. So when he's going to go and exactly. make the, when he's going to make the cross, we're we're hoping that Odegaard can make up the distance and get in there, or maybe Martinelli can can tuck in and maybe get in there. Mm. Lacazette's not going to make it. His knees won't allow him to to get into the box that quick. And it was really telling that Mikel Arteta said that, I think it was two games back, he said, uh, what is it he said? He said um, he felt that we do really well box to box, but the games like these are one in the box. 
That was against Liverpool. That was yeah. after the Liverpool game, yeah. And, and I think what he's trying to say there is, is that we're missing that attacking presence at the killer instinct. That's exactly the point. Yeah, that's exactly the point because there's so many cases where he's just like five or ten yards off the pace and it's not his fault, you know. And look, again, I keep saying this before. I want to make a caveat that I'm not knocking Lacazette because we know what his limitations are. We know what kind of player he is and we know how hard he's working for the team and he's been doing a wonderful job. When we had that situation with the referee and the way that Lacazette dealt with it, Mm. That is there right there. That's that's there should be younger players that should be going in subliminally. This is mm-hmm. how you do it. This is how it's handled. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and no, without, absolutely. Without yeah. having that presence, we kind of banned, we, we, we kind of like we, 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 we fucked ourselves, right? Which is why mm. if Lacazette does go in the summer and we bring in some more players, we need we need two players that have a similar profile in the team. They don't mm. have to be 30, but they can be 26, 27, 28 maybe have been successful in other leagues, but they can take up just so that when players, you know, the younger players, they look at how professionals, how they prepare before each game, what they do after each game, all of these things. If we take Lacazette out, they're going to be missing that a little bit, I feel. So we need to make sure that that, that, that's, that, that, that maturity, that maturity is replicated. Mm, so they yeah. can keep learning. No, I think he, that's a really good point. I do think that the, uh, he offers that leadership on the pitch. And I do think that players should be watching him and learning from him in those situations. That's 100%. And I just want to put get the point. I'm not saying that I, I, I want to change things. I want to answer the question. I want to get your point, your guys' view on, the, on all this. I mean, what's your thoughts on the whole thing, Ryan? Because, you know, there's this... There's pluses and minuses, and I am willing to put it down to the fact that he had it was the last of a very, very diff, last game of a very difficult mm. week, you know, mm. where he played three games and he came through it all very well, you know. Mm. And I know he got substituted in the in the last game, but you know, his legs probably had God at that point, you know, <laughs> so he it probably wasn't having his best game all round. But um, I do worry about the fact that that maybe one game coming up soon in this really, really important running, that it's going to come back and bite us on the arse, that we haven't taken those chances. Mm. And one game is not going to go our way, and we're either going to end up being 1-0 up and, and drawing it one all, dropping two points, or, God forbid, losing the game because we're not taking our chances. And mm. at the end of the day, ESR is our, well, he's our joint top scorer now with Saka. Yeah, and if he can't get in the team after his performances, uh, you know, scoring those goals, it's a, a shame for him in some ways. But I, I totally get everyone's points, and I'm, I'm on board with it, with it all, really. So, what, what do you think? Um, again, with Lacazette, again, nothing against him. If, if anything, I've been praising him a lot recently as well, especially the professionalism. We've even you've mentioned it on the watch songs we do. The professionalism is showing, considering his contract is up. Mm. at the end of the season you wouldn't think of the way he's playing when you compare it to someone that's in mm. Barcelona now who wasn't doing that for the last year and a half since he's on a new deal he was on 300k a week he leads what there's something there, there are there are pros and cons and one of the pros is like he said the leadership he leads by example the maturity players obviously look up to him look up to him and um he, the link up play, he likes to. He's always he said back in what was it last season after the Boxing Day game against Chelsea, he actually was enjoying 
playing with the likes of Smith and Martinelli and Saka and bring mm. them into play because that's sort of his game. That's sort of always been his game. But obviously, before he got his ankle injury going going to that second season of Emery before he got sacked. Ever since then, he lost that pace he did have to get in the box. That that sharpness he had, he's lost. That's completely gone. So we're we're, we're, we're utilising him the best way we can. And because of, obviously, as I said said before, about his leadership skills, that's another reason why he was vice captain now, now the club captain until the end of the season. So the likes of the whoever takes over, either it looks like it, could, it does look like Tini will be our captain because he's our second choice now at the moment. So it's just again, like Stan was saying, the, them players, the likes of Tini, the other guards, and all that, looking up to him and, and actually realizing that's how you lead, you lead by example. That's how you, as a captain, or even not even even not as in that captain, but as a teammate, you don't go over the top. You don't lose your head. You can you control yourself, and the, as I say, we keep going back to the professional. I keep going back to the professionalism of him. The fact that he's literally more likely going to be leaving. He doesn't. He's give, he he leaves everything on the pitch, which again, the likes of Saka, Smith, uh, Martinelli will see that, mm-hmm. and they will learn off that, hopefully, and it, it, it'll better their careers. But as you say, if he does, if he, if he is to go, we do need to bring in who we bring in as who have we. No matter how many players we bring in, in the summer, at least two or three have got to be of that same ilk. Mm. Otherwise, yeah. it could be a very long season for us in terms of the disciplinary side of things. If, if Jacques is still here, we know he's got a hot head. You mentioned before the, the, the youthness of Odegaard, even though he's a captain for his country, he's got a bit of a hot head. And yeah, we do. To, for the sort of striker we're looking at as well. A goal-scoring striker that links up the player, does what Lacazette does, but also knows, knows where to put the ball in the back of the net as well. You, you sort of do need that sort of experience, and not if you if you want to put it that way. So I think in certain games going forward, well, ten, nine, ten games left. I think the next three mm. games are winnable games. In terms of Palace, even though Southhurst Park is an absolute nightmare for us, since they've got to be promoted into the Premier League, the fact they're in the semi-final. They've got, they've got you know, obviously it's Chelsea. They've got a chance to get to a final, possibly. They're, they're playing, might have one, one eye on that and not be, even though Vieira is the manager and he won't have it, but the players themselves, so you can't, once they've got across that line, he can't control them. They might have one eye and not want to get injured or get sent off or this, that, and the other, or get a booking suspended. So yeah. that could that could benefit yeah. us massively. So if we can go there, I'd start him against Palace, get, get a couple, at least try and get two goals clear. And around a 55th, either a 55th, 60th minute, bring him off, put Eddie or whoever on, or not even Eddie, actually bring him off for some, um, say, Smith Rowe, and put Martinelli to say down the middle. Mm. Try something different there for the last 35, 40 minutes of the game. And then we've got Brighton at home. That's a winnable game. Again, two goal lead, take him off, try different things there. So, uh, in Southampton, if we can get nine points out of them games. Oh, then for the Chelsea game, we're away, aren't we? Chelsea. Yeah. So yeah. <clears throat> that's the one where I'd actually rest him at the start. And if and if he and if Arteta was to do what I've said in terms of putting Smith Rowe down the left, Saka down the right, Martin down the middle, mm. for the first at least for the first half, give that a go against Chelsea. It's, like, it's something different. They're not going to be planning for it. 
I think it was early at the start. So defensively, they won't be expecting that. And then obviously, then mm. bringing back in for the main night game for 45, 50 minutes. Then go, just using sparingly you, <laughs> to the best of our ability to get us over that line. Mm. So isn't that, that the week where we've got another three games in six or seven days as well? That that one you just mentioned? After South, uh, Southampton, Chelsea, United, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So exactly, we're going to have a similar situation as we've just been through, aren't we? So yeah. that's a good point, actually, See, as well. I'd just like to add, um, if you are going to find a way to get all of them into the team at the same time and omitting Lacazette, I would go the other way and keep Martinelli on the left-hand side. Yeah, would, me too. I would move Emma Smith-Rowe. Yeah, because I think what Martinelli can do on the ball, like getting, getting, moving the ball, yeah, you know, getting the yardage, so to speak. If you were playing American football, he does it so well. And then not only does he give you the yardage, he's also got the he's also got it in his locker to actually finish it and put it away as well. Mm. I Mm. I just feel that maybe if he was uh, in the middle, we wouldn't get that much out of him. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. He has no, that position in the middle. I think he might be able to do better there. I think Mikel Arteta said as well. Uh, I, I yeah. thought he was playing something recently about him playing. Uh, it it could be a nine. Yeah. So he did. I, no, I, I've said that before. I think that's that. That's the way I would go. I would going back to what we said. What you said earlier, Kunjan, about what what I said about um, not moving Ben White out to right back, for example. I think. Why would you move Martinelli out the most his most effective position at the moment and switch them round when you've only got to swap one component of the team? Similar way, and I feel that he could do an excellent job there as well. But I think that you know, listening to everything that you guys have said as well about the situation, I think that's a, probably the best way to go. What Ryan just said as well about keeping it the same at the moment, but gradually trying trying it out at the end of games if, if we've got a good lead you know for the last 20-30 minutes try it then get them all on the pitch then together and use that that time to see whether we can get them to to gel because I think it was the earlier game of the, in the season one of those terrible first three games where Martinelli did actually start up front against Chelsea didn't he yeah that's yeah. right and it didn't obviously it was the first time he'd sort of done it at that point and it was a well, probably one of the worst games to start trying it out. But if we can get him to sort of not give up on it after one go, you know, mm. or, you know, playing them all together, try it out and, and be persistent with it over the next few games at the end of games, if we've got the chance, if you've got the lead to do just, that. Just, I mean, just, just see you describing that, it just takes me all the way back to Theo Walcott with him continuing. Yeah. yeah. And then when it finally happened, he was almost like, can I, can I go back out on the right, please? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Lock it up here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's a very good very good point. But, you know, I think they differ in, in lots of ways. Very similar in some ways, ways, but I think Martinelli's already a lot stronger than Theo Walker ever was. Uh, I don't think he's... Um, Theo Walker's always been quite a slight... Lightweight player, isn't he? Um, to play I as a centre forward. I look at Martinelli, and I I see Ronaldo when he was at Man United. When he was, yeah, I do. First was very first that Ronaldo played on the left. I see a similar kind of of a player, and the back then as well. His his goal, it took him a while to start building up his goal return, right? Mm. Yeah? So I, I think he could go the same way. Yeah, and don't forget. Well, obviously, Henri started out on the white 
uh, on a wide position. He only sort of he never really played full time centre forward, did he? He was always played wherever he wanted. Yeah, uh, obviously, he's very special to everyone. Really, but he started out on the left as well. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I just think he he will get to a stage where he'll just explode with his goals and. Once you pop, you can't stop. I think you just stop, won't stop scoring then at that point. Um, but I, 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 that's the way I sort of think it could could happen because he he's got to he's got to try it in some two different ways. Conjan, he's got to try it in some way because we don't want to become too predictable. We've got to have different plans. You know, like Stan said earlier about having a plan B. We've got we've got the plan B whereby we can see games out by bringing players like Rob Holding and going to free at the back, etc. We've got to have a different way of, sort of bamboozling our opponents and not be too predictable as well by doing something different from time to time, like playing the Fab Four at once without Lacazette. And that's probably the best way of introducing it in the last part of games if we've got a comfortable lead. I think... Uh... I said this earlier, I'll say it again. We are maybe two injuries from setting serious panic. Mm. If we get an injury to Partey or Xhaka or or Lacazette, (laughs) we will set some serious panic. A call we made to Xavi, listen, do you mind sending Aubameyang back? Just, just, Just one game. Just one day. Um, we 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 we've been serious panic. I'll, I'll be very honest with you. Um, so keeping that contingency in mind, and <clears throat> you said something very important, which is something I've been speaking well, at least to myself, the last few weeks. Our substitutions are so predictable that the only thing unpredictable about a game against Aston Villa <clears throat> was one of our substitutes was in the starting eleven. Because Martinelli was not available. <laughs> the, the pattern of our substitutions are Pepe, uh, followed by... Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, Emil. And finally would be Eddie. You know? Now having Emil in the starting 11, it was Pepe, Eddie, Rob. It's, <laughs> it's, it's so predictable that now if hypothetically... Saka gets an injury and Pepe starts. We're going to be like, okay, so this is our pattern. We're going to have Emil, we're going to have Eddie, and just El Neni. I don't know. Like, there's going to be some sort of predictability about our substitutions. <laughs> there's going to be some sort of uh, predictability about our substitution. I'm with Stan and I'm with Andrew about playing um, Emil down the middle. But the question is, when? Because mm. the, 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 the template has been set. Gabriel runs himself to the ground. You bring on Emil. He brings the pace. He brings the robustness. He gets his goal. Why would you take off Gabriel Martinelli, bring on Emil Smithrow, and eventually try and put him down the middle, take Lacazette off, and again cause an imbalance, maybe by putting Pepe and Saka, both left-footers. Pepe doesn't like playing on the left. Saka is great on 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 the on the on, on on the right. We need to we need to have some sort of a balance. We need to have some sort of a balance in the front four. And our number ten position has been so strongly certified by Odegaard. When Odegaard goes off, and if hypothetically we have Martinelli, Emil comes in the middle, and he's not he's not making those runs down the middle. He's he's playing off Lacazette. 
So again, the problem becomes when, when, at which point do we understand what tactic is going to work against which team? Against Crystal Palace, yes, it's 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 going to be a test. Yes, uh, it's an away game. We have to rock up. We remember the last time we played Crystal Palace, and that's when the whole celebration nonsense started because of Lacazette's last second win. <laughs> we have to we have to keep in mind that when we go down there, we have to try and get a result. I I, I wanted to I wanted to. Um, um, even bring up this whole mentality um, that, that, that the players are having. And there is a certain sense of a winning mentality with each and every one. Pepe was not performing, came back from AFCON, started performing, and up until the Villa game, he was playing phenomenal. Every time he came on, he did a job. When he came on for, when he came on for us against Villa, it looked like he came on for Villa. He took on a Villa player and lovely and a beautiful pass to a Villa player and, and thus leading him to go and make a reckless challenge. This is something like, I think, I think Stan was mentioning this about having Pepe come off the bench. He's great when you're chasing the game. When you ask him to do a job for defensively, it's like he's left one shoe in the locker. <laughs> so what this, about, is, this is, sorry. And I was going to say, you can't talk about that and without speaking about Eddie afterwards after the Villa game as well. No, I mean, like he, when, when, mean, when we're talking about giving Lacazette a one-year extension, it just goes to show the younger option, the younger homegrown option. No one's speaking about him. Eddie has actually lowered his valuation by his performances. Zero mm. league goals. Zero. Hmm. I know exactly. This is a. I mean, you, you can't. I mean, I'll, I'll bring you in, Stan. Thank, uh, because of this um, conversation about the, the substitutions as well, because obviously I, I do agree that a that Pepe has been good up until that Villa game substitution, um, but Enketia's performances since he's come on the first maybe four or five games ago. He was actually making a, a difference against the Villa. Uh, sorry, uh, Wolves against Wolves. He came on. And he was really good. I think it was the game after Wolves. Was it? I'm thinking. If I'm thinking correctly, he hit the came on. He hit the good long shot. Hit the bar. He was did fairly well. But since then, I mean, seriously, I mean, you know, he. I mean, was he drunk when he came on against Villa? I mean, he looked <laughs> drunk. I mean, it was ridiculous. And uh, you can't knock Arteta. I think he made the right subs against Villa. But they, you can't legislate for how poor they were when they come on, can you? I mean, I'm talking about, obviously, the obvious ones, Pepe and, and, and Ketia against Villa. I mean, Rob Holding came on and, you know, did his job. But, I mean, what was going on there? I mean, you can't legislate for performances like that. And that's why they don't start games. Mm. At the end of the day, that's why they come on, you know, right at the very death to maybe just try and give somebody a bit of a breather. I mean, Eddie Nketiah doesn't want to sign another a contract. I don't want him to sign another contract. So mm. uh, he, he had an opportunity to, to, to go to Palace, but there was a problem with, with wages. So, I mean, it's up, it's up to him now, but who else are we going to use? You know, if Martinelli's been playing all game on the left and then he, and then he changes him, Lacazette up and put him through the middle, Martinelli himself would be tied by that stage in the game. Mm. So, mm. so he doesn't have a good performance down the middle and then we start having people saying, well, that's shit. 
But, you know, you're not going to get yeah. a representation if he's already been playing 70 minutes on the left and be running his arse off. Yeah, yeah so, that's the problem, isn't it? You know, we, we only have what we have at the moment, you know, but it, that's why I say each game is like a cup final because we're only like one injury or one uh, red card away from panic stations. Yeah, that's very and, true. You know, yeah. And players Touch like wood. the Pirates and they've not getting any minutes as subs. So that's good. That was going to be my next point. That was going to be, you've brought, cold, me, brought right? me on to that next point perfectly, Stan. Why aren't they? Because that's another way of changing the game, isn't it? And, and keeping them fresh and keeping them involved. I'd be doing that and giving them some minutes in case you have to start them in a the game. And then you, you know that they're not coming in cold, if you know what I mean. They yeah. can get minutes at the end of games, you know. Would it hurt to take Tierney off on the 80th minute and put on Tavares? Would it hurt to switch out Laka or Pate to put in Lokonga? But he seems hell-bent on the substitutions that he uses. It's, you know, uh, ESR, obvious reasons, because he's, he, he scores gold. Pepe and uh, Eddie. And I think he probably does that because he's got to rest Saka. He's got to give Saka some, some, some rest time. And Lacazette, because he's the old fella and his knees might not be able to hold out. So I think he's hampered. You know, once we get a striker that can go 90 minutes, for example, and still have a little bit left in the tank, you can be make, you can making changes in other places of the pitch. Mm. See, that, that's exactly what I was thinking. And when, you, when you're talking about Sambi and, and Tavares, they, they're done really well this season as well when they because they played a lot earlier on in the season and they, were, they weren't embarrassing themselves but let's put it that way they were playing quite well and we were all impressed we can't forget that yes they had some um performances against liverpool that you know were below par but i mean a lot of players have had below par performances away at anfield you know and it was a big thing for them at their, their age but surely when we really might, I mean, God forbid, we had we have like a, a bad injury to like a midfield or something. We'll, we will desperately need Sambi to come in. We'll oh, need him to be, yeah, exactly. So oh, why I've aren't got a lot of love for Anelny? Exactly all the things you were saying earlier about Rob holding. Yes, I, I used to say the same. Well, I still do. I always felt that Elneny's a great guy to come on and close. The me game too. Me, me too. I, I said a couple of weeks ago, I'd like him to stay on at the end of this season because he's another one that's contract runs out. And they, like know they, part of the squad. they know what lane they're in. They don't give any aggro. They might not play every single game. When, when they're called upon, they're dependable. And we're short anyway of players. Why would we want to make a headache, headache for ourselves by having to replace them as well as increasing what we need? If they can stay on board for another season while we continue to fatten out the squad, I think it will be a great help. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I'd like him. To, I've always said I'd like El Nenis because it is, again... Very, very similar. Like I said, what, what I said about Rob Holding, he never complains. He's not on a lot of money at all. And I think he's a really valuable member of the, the squad because because of the fact he doesn't moan. He's always there celebrating with the players as well. You can see how invested he is in the team, the squad. I've said it a hundred times as well about watching the training videos. He's always the professional one, really giving it his all in training every single time. His biggest attribute for me is if you was to use a measuring stick and let's say you said, well, technically, or, or you know, he, he's, he's only got 75% as our best midfielder has. Mm. The quality that he has is that when he plays, he gives you all of the 75%. Exactly. You get all of it. Yeah. And we've had players, I'm not going to mention their names because they've gone now, 
who were supposedly a lot better than El Nene, but you were lucky to get 75% out of them. Mm, exactly. Yeah. So, he, does, he doesn't leave anything on the pitch ever, does he? He, he always gives his, his all. But we, we need players like him. We need players like Tavares to be invested still and to be really involved. And I, I come to you, Ryan. It does seem weird how they're not coming on as subs towards the end of the game to help see things out as well. You know, who was it that came on for Aubameyang? Was that... Sorry, not Aubameyang. Bloody, I've got him on the brain now. Erdegaard. It, it was, was it Rob Holding? It was Rob Holding, yeah. Yeah. Nice yeah. Five or so minutes of the game, yeah. So, I mean, bringing on an Elneny at that point to shore up the, the you know, the midfield and to sit deep and to cut out those passing lanes or bringing on a, a Tavares for maybe um, Smith-Rowe on, the, on the, the left-hand side as well to help shore things up, to solid things up. Just seem a bit of... Um, I'm not criticising Arteta because I think, he, like I said earlier, he brought on the, the right players probably, but they just didn't perform for him. But sometimes you do need to give these players a minute so that they're not coming in completely cold. If if and when, God forbid, we do need them to cover injury. Hmm. No, it's, it's, like, a tough it's, one. Like, it's a tough one. It's a tough one, but it's like it's been said already, the, the, the subs have become predictable. He does need to mix it up. I mean, as you say, there's no reason because of how... To, because of how Nuno Tavares, for example, does play his game, as you said, he's more of an attacking wing back than a defensive guy. It does make sense that every now and then, you know what, when it, even if Martinelli or Smith Rowe are playing, like one's come, whatever, to take whoever's playing on that left hand side off for Nuno Tavares, just because he does have that attacking output, he, got, he can cross the ball in. And a bit like Martinelli, he can go down, down, down to the bar line and cross it and pull it back. So you still you wouldn't lose that 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 side of the game even if he did that. So it, but these are things Arteta should be should a should know. I'm assuming he does. He ain't an idiot. Let's be honest. And should be and should be uh, putting out there. I mean, because otherwise, it will get to a point in this in this running where teams will be like, well, we know at X amount of point that this one's coming on, that one's coming on, that one's coming on, and that one's going off, and that one's going off, and that one's going off. Was a setup for that basically. Mm. He sort of needs to keep the other, the, the opposition on their toes in terms of not being as predictable. Yeah, and it's also, as you say, it's to custom to the game as well. Exactly. Exactly. Well, it's overall. I don't want to end on a on a sour note because it seems like we are, mm. but it's a very positive time at the moment. It's a and <laughs> we're not allowed to celebrate, so we need to keep it on a very low key. <laughs> but um over the the um international break obviously we've not got much football coming up over the next couple of weeks obviously i think it's two weeks yesterday isn't it our next game got 13 but days till next game there was a comment um next uh earlier on about um bringing the, the quizzes back over the um international break and i know that mike's been away um, I think he went away with his, uh, he's a teacher, isn't he? I think he went away with his, co- his students. I was listening to his podcast on um, the the Gooners podcast. I don't know what it's Gooners, I can't remember what it's called now. Um, you know what I mean? He does oh, a podcast. Yeah, anyway. um, Greece and Italy he went to. Yeah, exactly. So I think he's um, come back now. So we'll get that 
I'm sure organised. But um, I was thinking next week as well. I don't know if you're available, Stan, for this time next week. I do a quiz myself as well called the Let's Get Quizzical, where we discuss our knowledge on Arsenal players. I was wondering whether you might be uh, free for that. For that, no, Come on, I, I, I tend to stay away from. See, for me, quizzes are nice, fun, and easy. But I've listened to all you lot when you do your quizzes, and a lot of trivial factor. Oh no, not this, not this one, mate. Not this one. If you have a go, have a watch of some of the older ones of my one. It's just basically what we do. There's our ex-Arsenal players, and we look to see how well you know them. And you get a player, and they may have played for say five clubs previously, different clubs, right. and you 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 against someone else will um, bid on how many clubs you can mention of the ones that he's played for in his past. Or since he left Arsenal, as well, and so say you could name two, Kunjan. You get a chance to either ask him to name those two, or you can say no. Actually, I can name three of the five, and then if you can say yeah, I'll name three, then you can go say saying well, do you, can you match the three, or can you want to go four? If not, you get him to mention it, and the one who wins that gets the point. It's as simple as that. So it's nothing, uh, nothing hard. No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> but you make sure you watch it though make sure you watch it because we'll look at doing that next week because obviously we're going to be unless there's some major news over the next week or so then uh we can do something like that next week so everyone in the chat make sure we do a kahoot quiz on a sunday on the arsenal fan circle and ray always cheats with that so i'm not i'm not no <laughs> I'm a bad loser as well, so I know. Well, let's uh, see if we can get it organised uh, in the week. It's a good bit of fun, and uh, we can at least spend half the the show maybe doing that if you you guys are available. And make sure you guys have been brilliant in the chat tonight. Um, uh, join us in and watch. Join in and watch it. But um, we'll leave it there. We've been going for nearly an hour and twenty minutes, so which is not too bad at all. But uh, thank you ever so much for coming on, Stan. It's been brilliant that you've joined us again. Uh, hopefully it won't be too long till you come on again in the future. No, thanks for having me, uh, obviously, Ryan, yourself. And nice to meet you, uh, Kunyan. I've seen you on the videos in the past. And uh, to everyone in the chat boxes as well. And if anyone's around on, over in the United States at around about 20 to 6 PST time, come and join us on the Arsenal Fan Circle. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, definitely go over there. Give it a subscribe because it's a great channel. There's some great people on it. So, yes. Um, Kunjan, thank you ever so much for coming back on again, mate. Look forward to thank seeing you, you next week. And, and you'd mentioned we're not allowed to celebrate. So I want to say something about not celebrating. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, a, a certain Italian gentleman complained about our <laughs> manager's fixtures. And our manager said, I have nothing to say about any manager. So when we talk about a club with class, we don't have to say much because we don't celebrate class. We don't celebrate this. We just let the club and the representatives (laughs) talk about it. Exactly. Very true. Very true. And um, Ryan, thank you for coming on again, mate. It's been a pleasure and hopefully you'll be back on next week. What have you got going on your channel this week? We've got a watch along tomorrow, haven't we? Yeah, we've got Watson on the first leg at the Emirates, I believe. First leg mm. of the Women's Champions League quarter final against the Wolfsburg's women's team. Very tough tie, but it's a winnable over two legs. So we'll be covering that tomorrow night. Obviously, the North London derby on Saturday afternoon. And then the second leg, obviously, I think it's next 
Thursday. I'll have to double check this in a bit, but yeah. So we do, we'll be, as I say, we'll be doing me, myself, and you will be obviously doing a game tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I might wait to hear back from Leo. I don't know if he's recovered from Saturday yet. <laughs> you know, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and yeah, just keep an eye on obviously the, the likes of Smith Rowe and Sacco and Ben White for England. See how they're doing. All the other international players for Arsenal. And that's another positive. That's a positive we can actually end on. We've actually got yes a lot of our players now on international duty. In one, and that's a good thing in one sense because obviously it's been a running joke that. We got so bad that no, not even the, not even the national teams wanted, wanted our players. Just hope they come back injury free. Exactly, and uh, well done to to them for getting uh, the call ups. Really mm. shame for big shame for Ramsdale, who probably would have started one of the games. So that's a shame yeah. for him personally. But well done to William Saliba as well for getting his first France call up. So that's another well, real real positive as well for Brazil. It's yeah, a good absolutely. reason to start watching the uh, internationals again because I don't really watch it. But now that well, we've got a handful of players in there, it's a reason to watch. You know, well, you may may laugh. It's it's the exact reason why I haven't been watching England for so long, and the fact that we have got some players back in the squad means that I probably will watch them now <laughs> because they've been left out for so long. So, um, I mean, I watch the Euros because because of, of Saka. Yeah. Um, even more reason to watch them now with Smith Rowe and uh, hopefully Ben White in the team because if he chooses uh, Maguire over Ben White then he really needs some medical help I think Gareth Southgate needs to get his head looked at yeah exactly so um, yeah one more positive there's just one more positive and that's something that I'm very very happy about hope it's nothing we're going to celebrate I'm celebrating I don't know about you guys but I'm going to celebrate Go ahead. Come next Tuesday, I get one hour. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yes. Uh, clocks go forward next week. Yeah. Brilliant. So you get to get to bed, <laughs> go to bed at a decent time. Yes. It, it, it's actually nearly midnight on my side. So now come next week, it'll be closer to 11 p.m. Yeah. That is a positive. <laughs> yeah. No, no celebrating. No, no. <laughs> Watch it, watch it. Keep it calm. Keep it calm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But yes, uh, thank you to the chat for all of you that have been in there this evening. Uh, Gary, Stephen, uh, and I know that a few others uh, dropped in earlier. Let me just make sure. I'm forgetting on Colonel, Thunder Road, who's been great. Um, a bloke called the Mr. Arsenal podcast. I don't know. I don't know who that one is. It's a new one on me. Block him. She's but, blocked uh, him. One thing I'll just uh, say as well, I gutted I missed, my, missed your show yesterday because I was out um, with Greengrass and uh, I know that Melvin was on it yesterday. Mm. Leads me nicely into the fact that I'm actually listening to it on Spotify at the moment. I'm about halfway through. Yeah. So make sure you go and listen to Ryan's and, and this channel on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or all the other ones that are out there. When you're out and about doing your stuff on a daily basis, doing your housework or whatever, you can just stick it on. You haven't got to sit and watch it. Make sure you give us a five-star review on there as well. That would be really, really helpful to help other fans find the channel um, on whatever podcast platform you listen to. But I'll leave it there. Look forward to seeing you all next week. And, uh, yeah, let's try and make this bloody interlow go a bit quicker. Um, Somehow. I hate interlows. And this is a real good way to end the show on a really sombre note without celebrating. So no, there's going to be no come on you Arsenal's now. 
There's not going to be any come on you gunners. We'll just end it silently. Thank you for listening to From Dial Square to Air. Please help us grow by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and following the show on your preferred podcast platform. Please also visit our Facebook page, our Twitch channel and of course our YouTube channel. And whilst you are there, please subscribe and hit the notification button so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Please also press the like button on the video so we can get recommended by YouTube to other Arsenal fans all around the world. See you soon. Good morning and welcome to the Central Line. Just let you all know that Tottenham are shit. Tottenham Hotspur are shit. Oh no!